This week's podcast is brought to you by Selena's Seances. The Halloween party special is on this week to bring you any celebrity you want to entertain at your party, regardless of which plane is their eternal resting place. Selena's Seances guaranteed to raise your spirits. Get it? Raising spirits has a double meaning because it's seances, but also, oh, never mind. Here's Russ, a.k.a. Morris of Ian World and Peter Coffey of the Southampton Guild of Roleplayers with Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Morris, a.k.a. Russ. And with me is my co-host, best known as the uh, model and inspiration for the illustration of Robin the Boy Wonder on the uh, cover of Detective Comics number 36. <laughs> that's fair enough for us. Um, I think you'll find it was number 38, and my, that's because my legs are absolutely fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Is that why you're always wearing such short skirts? Well, of course. How else would you see them otherwise? <laughs> it's not a skirt, it's a kilt. <laughs> there is nothing quite like the legs of a pale, pasty-faced Englishman. <laughs> Damn straight. <laughs> My, is it hard here or is it just me? Yes. Oh, it's just you. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why I wear the kilt. Anyway. Mm. <laughs> Helps regulate my body temperature. So, Russ, um, speaking of pale and pasty-faced Englishman, you're, you're not looking 100% well today. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking quite pale and pasty-faced today. Yeah, I could have admit. Uh, I, I must admit, are you, are you getting your makeup on early for Halloween? <laughs> <laughs> well, I spent the entire weekend Halloweening. Ooh, that's a lot of, that's a lot of weekends. Yeah, last, last night was spent in Halloweening. Saturday night was spent out Halloweening, dressed in excellent, I might say, costumes. Well, well indeed, you John Starked it all the way up. John Snow. John Snow. Was he not John Stark? No, he was John Snow because he was completely illegitimate. Exactly. Yes, I was John Snow, and Sharon was cousin It. Indeed, and also looked fantastic. So, Peter. So, what in yes. the world of RPGs has been catching your eye this week? Oh, well, it's funny you should ask that because I've been very excited by a Filipino mythology-based game. Oh. And I'm going to try and pronounce it. Go Can't... on, then. It's always fun listening to you to try and to pronounce things. Almost as much as listening to you. <laughs> <laughs> listening to me just trying to talk at the moment, let alone pronounce things. For a speak words good. You just keep telling yourself that. Uh, Myla Kanjan. What I've seen is 20 pages of the Kickstart guide, mm. and I, I liked it. It was good. Uh, really OSR in simplicity. You've got three main attributes that you roll 4d6 for with sort of 5e value calculations. What's for the sort of genre sort of thing? What's the theme? Filipino mythology. Which is? I don't know. Oh, okay. That, that's I, why I, it's I so know. interesting. I don't know anything about Filipino mythology at all. You know what? Obviously, there is mytho- mythology in the Philippines because yeah. everyone has got it. But you know what? If someone had asked me before, like the other day, what is it? I would have had no idea. And now I'm starting to get a bit of a better idea. Yeah. Yeah. So um, things that stood out, they, they, yeah, it's like quite a simple OSR system. Nice, simple, level dependent proficiencies, rolling some dice. Yeah, I like it. Um, and then you've got, um, papa, I'm going to try and say Utang Na Bulong, I think it is. Bless you. Indeed. Uh, this sort of, it's a sort of a spiritual concept of barter. It's a bit like karma, um, 
in in the guide they say fertile land is abundant people are scarce loyalty and social value are important hmm all right Oh, well, exactly. That that's pretty much what I said. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, they, they've got uh, they've got a variety of backgrounds you can have as well. Uh, there's like free Filipino, which I presume make a lot more sense in local context. And then you've got what sorry sorry, which are going to be uh, people from India. Uh, sorry, uh, Sangi, which are people from China. Yeah, and uh, sorry, Peninsulares, who are like Europeans. Traveling over. So is this kickstarting now? Or uh, well, it's actually out? on Patreon. Oh, I see. Yeah, okay. there was a kickstart quick guide, or maybe I put quick guide. And I meant quick kickstart. I meant quick start. Quick it's, start. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's got free classes, but again, specialists are a bit like rogues, but they've got a lot more courtier, face crafter roles to it. And they have medium, which is sort of a general purpose spirit wrangler, doing elements, small gods, insects, animals. There's a lot of vocab I'm getting at a fair bit of it, but I did actually have a chance to have a like you know brief online exchange with the creator, and they seem like a pretty chill dude. Cool. Yeah. So um, I it, it, it's one of my games that I'd really like to play just to find out what all this interesting stuff is, and because like I say, I have literally never heard of Filipino mythology. Remind me so. again what it's called. <laughs> the link the link to the Patreon will be in the show notes, but as far as I can say, it's a uh, Myla Kanjan. Say it three times fast. Myla Kanjan, Myla Kanjan, Myla Kanjan. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Uh, whether I'm mispronouncing it or not horribly, I really couldn't tell you. Uh, because I am big... sure you are, and I hope you are, because if you weren't, you would be... Uh... Don't worry, I'm sure someone on the internet will correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, as I understand it, in the Philippines, they speak a mix of some Spanish words, but mostly Tagalog. So I presume it's a Tagalog word. Okay, then. But I don't know. Russ, mm-hmm. what caught your eye? My eye? Uh-huh. Well, what caught my eye? Yes, my eye. Um, have you heard of something called Adventure Skeletons? I am intrigued. Tell me more. It is a one-page RPG uh-huh. uh, by Grant Howitt and Chris Taylor. Oh yeah, yeah. They're um, the guys that did Spire, aren't they? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so basically, in this one-page RPG, you play a skeleton, uh-huh. and uh, basically the intro here: you're a skeleton uh, yep. bored of being told to guard. Some boring old dungeon by a wizard. So you dress up in some kit you found on a corpse nice. and set off for the human dungeon or village, as they call it. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. After the human dungeon, yeah. Yeah, so, so it's very simple, like all these one page RPGs are. Yeah. Um, so uh, you can choose from, uh, well, you roll for uh, one of six ancestries, which are orc, elf, dwarf, goblin, human, and skeleton. So, so your skeleton has a skeleton ancestry. I guess, yes. I think that's <laughs> okay. how it works. Okay. Uh, again, you, you sort of roll for your equipment, so you might end up with, I don't know, a, a scimitar and a bow and arrows or, a, or some metal armor or something. Yeah, yeah. And then you just sort of like roll random things about the village slash dungeon you're approaching, mm-hmm. like it's mm-hmm. dark secret and yeah. what treasure is there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then some very, very basic, you know, combat rules and how you can reattach parts if body parts come off. Mm-hmm. So, and, and all of this is just on one page? All on one page, and not just on one page, that includes the illustrations. <laughs> so all the actual text is probably only about three quarters of a page there. And then you've got some nice illustrations. Well, the, well, the, there's this character sheet, which is a, a sort of hand-drawn picture of a skeleton. Right. With little boxes next to your head, torso, right arm, right leg and stuff, because they can come oh, off. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> just a, a couple of lines for your name, ancestry, equipment, and 
Favourite bone type. Ah, favourite bone type. Mm. Well, this game sounds like it's got a lot of potential to be uh, humorous. I thought it was suitable because it's Halloween. Oh, indeed, indeed. Yeah, uh, absolutely perfect for the occasion. Yeah, that's what so, I thought. Uh, one page, uh, link in the show notes, and it looks like if it's a Harrison Taylor special, like Honey Hearts, you could probably run it in two hours in the evening. Yeah, I would imagine so. Mm-hmm. No, that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. All right, then, moving on. Shall we do the news? Shall we do the news? I would love to do the news. You reckon we should do the news? Mm, we are a news podcast. We probably should do it. There then. is that. There yes. is that. Oh, um, I'm do you lo- get bored of news? Well, only when it gets old. <laughs> <laughs> news hasn't got old on me yet. Fair enough. I'm, I'm loving the Ian World um, website uh, logo at the moment. Oh, yeah, the little pumpkin there. Yes, it oh. appears to have been impumpkinated. And quite frankly... That, 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 that's great. Although I'm not sure it will give a result from 1 to 20 as reliably as your standard D20. Have you tried riding a pumpkin? You know what? I never have. Maybe I should go pumpkin bowling later. Look, you know how science works. <laughs> it's your house, Russ. You have, you have to do the experiment. Fine, we'll, we'll try and get some pumpkins yeah, in. Sadly, sadly, I have no pumpkin. Yeah, or a bowling alley. I, I'm, I'm disappointed, really. Yeah. Yeah, a bowling alley. Mm. A bowling alley in this house. That would be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, then let's do that news. Yes, yes. Let us, let us do the news. So, what's in the news, Russ? Lots and lots and lots of things are in the news, Peter. Fantastic. It's it's nice to be out of the shadow of Gen Con. <laughs> <laughs> it means we have something to talk about rather than just like, you know, chatting nonsense to each other for hours. So, there's some more previews of Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Uh, as you know, Dungeon of the Mad Mage has been delayed by one week. Oh, dear. Due to printing issues, which it- means it's going to be coming out the same week as Ravnica. So, so, so Wafnica, <laughs> that wascally Wafnica, <laughs> is coming out on the same time as Dungeon of the Mad Mage. So what we've got, Waterdeep, Dungeon of the Mad Mage, and Ravnica, and they're basically all at the same time. It's like buses, basically. Yeah. Because, you know, like, you wait all year for Wizards of the Coast to produce something, mm. and suddenly they release two things on the same day. Uh, well, indeed, and even the same week seems like quite... A lot of stuff. Going well, well, on. what happened was they um, they had some errors with the printing company or something like that, and Ooh. they've had to push the release forward by a week or back yeah. by a week. Sorry. Uh, so mm. yeah, they've ended up overlapping, unfortunately. Yeah, Wizards of the Coast don't seem to enjoy a lot of work, lot of luck with uh, printers, do they? Yeah, I don't know who their printers are, but I assume it's some overseas printers. I don't know that. Well, presumably someone in America, maybe. I don't know. No, no. Well, it's just like, you know, because the original player's handbooks, if you recall, there were a lot of problems with the printing on those. So it's not the sort of thing that they really want to have. I think I got lucky. I didn't have any trouble, but I did hear of people that did. Mm -mm -mm. Yeah. And some binding issues as well. But uh, Wizards of the Coast were really good at replacing those. Yeah, because their customer service is amazing. Uh, for that sort of thing. So, yeah, fair play to him. Well, anyway, uh, going back to Dungeon of the Mad Mage there, there, yes. um, there is a, a big preview, which um, old Nathan Stewart there, who's been sharing bits and pieces as part of his um, charity fundraising stuff, uh, he has uh, previewed two pages from the book. Wow. Um, so these uh, it's a two-page spread showing a section on uh, adventure hooks and starting quests. Oh, I, I love the picture that they got at the top of it. It's, um, well, I can only describe it as... Well, there are various ways to describe it. A band of adventurers that we shall say are the worst for wear for drink. <laughs> I guess, yes, yeah. They're on, uh, they're on a rope, presumably yeah, on a bucket, being lowered into the yawning portal there, and they seem very cheerful about being le- 
being lowered down so they're almost certain to. Yes. <laughs> and they don't really look like they're They, do seem, the they, they do seem quite happy about it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Enthusiasm. And doesn't that count for a lot? Yes. Yeah. So this, basically, it's only, you, you only see a little bit of it, but yeah. um, there's some sort of starting quests here mm-hmm. um, include uh, pay a half a debt, search for uh, Cressando Rosnar, Throne of the Coronal. Yep. And some future quests like Eye of the Spider. Yes, because last week we talked about the Fantasy Grounds version, mm. which had quite a lot of the individual details. So it's nice to see that they've got it all nicely integrated. Yeah. So this is about two pages, uh, mm-hmm. talking about Adventure Hook, starting quests. Mm. I mean, I'm, I'm quite looking forward to this book. Yeah, yeah. There's been a bit of a dearth of high-level content, because one of the issues has been that with every new adventure, you're going to have to basically go back to level one. Mm. You know, I'm kind of sick of level one. Been there a lot. Yeah, so this is level six to 20. 23 Ooh. different levels of Undermountain, each with their own feel and theme, and a full detailing of Skullport. Uh, apparently, um, they say that um, running the adventure with like weekly sessions, which mm-hmm. I assume they mean like four hour sessions, I think is kind of the yeah. average, uh, will take at least eight months. Yeah, wow. That, that sounds like there's a lot, lot of stuff to that. And obviously, if you've got a very role-play intensive group, then that could go even longer. Mm. So probably between Waterdeep and Dungeons and Mad Mage, you've got, what, um, a year of role-playing content? I guess, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah so also previewed from Dungeon mm. of the Mad Mage was the first page of uh, Dungeon Level 15, mm. which is called The Obstacle Course. Oh. I'm intrigued. Yeah, so um, this is... Um, Those are a, some funny-looking elves they've got up there. Are they, they, don't look, they don't look very well, do they? No, I think they're like Githyanki, yeah. Oh, uh, oh, so... Gif... 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 What's that one? Gifzerai. Gifzerai. Okay. Uh, so we got here level 15 of the dungeon, which mm-hmm. is designed for um, four 13th-level characters. Oh, cracky. And uh, that level is run by a beholder, a death tyrant. Okay. Uh, which claims this obstacle course as its lair. Right. So the visitors to this level, they've got to contend with mechanical traps, mm-hmm. magical traps, okay. and an undead beholder named Neverskull. Also, nuisances from the elemental planes of Earth and Fire and a band of Githzerai on a special mission. Right. Crikey. That does look quite fun. That does look loads of fun. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll put, again, link in the show notes, but basically it's the first page of that, just giving you a basic overview of what that level of the dungeon is like. Nice. That that sounds like Dungeons and Mad Mage. Looks like it's going to be a quality product. We shall look forward to having a look at it once we get our co- hands on our copy. Yeah, absolutely. Hint, 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 hint. <laughs> yeah. uh, right, next in the news. Oh, Just Dread. Kickstarter Just ended. Yes, yes. 148,000 of your British pounds. Which is exactly seventy-two million nine hundred forty-three thousand two hundred thirty-one US dollars. I'm told. I think you're making it up, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Um, yeah, but, uh, but uh, yeah, it went, it went stormingly well. Came out one hundred forty-eight thousand pounds. All done. Uh, the electronic, the PDF rewards, yeah, were delivered to backers within a minute of it ending, straight nice. away. Um, so they've that- all got those, and we're all in the process of sort of sorting out the print runs and. Getting the physical rewards out to people. Sweet. For those of us listening along in American, wow, that 148,000 is a 189,799. At least that's what it is today. It'll be yeah. something different by the time they hear this. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I think that's probably your best Kickstarter ever. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It certainly Fantastic. is. Fantastic. I like to think this podcast helped. 
<laughs> I think it was entirely irresponsible. <laughs> no, I think that's all the people buying stuff for us. That's, that's going to be the main thing. But uh, you must be very pleased. I am very pleased. So can we stop talking about Shred Shred for a bit? We can. We can stop Huzzah! talking about Shred Shred for a bit. Um, what we can talk about, though, yeah, if you like, is Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Oh, yes, let's. Because there has been another playtest update. Bum, bum, bum. Do, do, do. As, as you know, they, they keep updating the playtest and <laughs> uh, updating the rules, sending yep. out surveys and questionnaires, um, and iterating it over and over again. Yeah, yeah. And, and the game's coming out at Gen Con next year. Mm-hmm. And so this is uh, rules update 1.5 has come up. Oh, okay. As a part of the Doomsday Dawn uh, adventure path, for lack of a better word, the playtest series of adventures called yep. Red Flags, uh, in okay. which um, your characters are pitted against the esoteric order to the shackles in an attempt to stop the Night Heralds. Sounds exciting, doesn't it? Those were definitely words. <laughs> they were definitely words. <laughs> <laughs> I can see your eyes glaze over there. <laughs> I'm paying attention. What? What Fant- year is it? Fantasy names. Uh, so, uh, but, but well, the important thing about uh, Red Flags, it's designed for high levels. Yeah, so that's, oh, that's oh. kind of what they're testing at the moment. Oh. One one thing about the three point X system, like yeah. Pathfinder, D and D three point five, three point mm. and stuff, Done. is that when you reach higher levels, it does get very clunky and starts to get a bit wobbly. Yes, uh, well, you start playing Fantasy Avengers. Yeah, yeah, you turn uh, into, you turn into superheroes, and you, you can just fly everywhere. Yeah, and that's and that would be fine if that was a stated design aim. You know, if it said you play from zero to heroes, and then at this point you become Fantasy Avengers. I would have been a lot happier because I'd be like, oh, I'd best make some sort of plans for that. Well, I think, I think, yeah, I think that's ten years in, I think you kind of know that's what you're, get, you're getting into when you when you play a Pathfinder game. That assumes a lot of things, like ever actually having played at high levels. Okay, yeah, I mean, it, it's like you can see that there's like really good stuff, and like some of these spells are ridiculously powerful. But yeah, um, it talks about threats to the village, threats to the town, threats to the realm, and then threats to the nature of reality. And I assume that linked to a threats to reality, which is tier 4, 15, 20, it was going to is be... Is that D&D quite... you're talking about now? Yeah. Yeah, okay, sorry. And um, high-level play, which they're playtesting, which I think is a jolly good idea. Mm. Um, so this rules update, update 1.5, um, it's primarily focused on revisiting some spells mm-hmm. and the death and dying rules. Okay. Um, so on the spells front... Uh, a lot of the damage dealing spells have had a little bit of a boost in power. Mm-hmm. Sort of like the base damage values are increasing. Okay. Uh, well, the scaling damage is, is staying mm-hmm. the same. Yeah. Uh, and also they're sort of testing some of the non-direct damage dealers. So stuff like Finger of Death or Save or Death or Save or Damage type spells. Mm-hmm. Or Save or Suck spells, as they yes. sometimes get called. Absolutely. Um, they're, they're getting a bit of a play test too. Yeah. Um, also, Death and Dying's got on another revisit. It's not the first time it's changed. Oh, so yeah, they're definitely sort of iterating that. different things with that. Mm. It seems that too many characters are dying in the playtest at the moment. Well. And so they're, tr- <laughs> they're trying out something new. This time they're trying out a flat DC for stabilisation, which is um, you're going to roll 10 yep. on a D20, 10, plus your dying value. And okay. your dying value is the number of times and the severity with which you've been not unconscious. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you're less likely to recover if you get pounded into the ground like a tent peg on a frequent basis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Seems fair. Seems reasonable to me. Um, yeah, yeah, so that's that's all still... I mean, they must be coming to the near, near the end of this sort of playtest process because um, early next year they're going to be starting getting with, getting the final game ready for printing so that it can all be printed and delivered in time for Gen Con. Okay, it looks like um, Asmodee 
mm-hmm. uh, which is the largest sort of hobby tabletop gaming company in the world. Oh, they're the people that supply all your exciting stuff to people, aren't they? Like, if you want to buy Magic the Gathering cards or collectible card games or role-playing games or board games, then they are, like, the number one supplier, aren't they? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think so. I don't know. Um, there we go. As Modi Group and its subsidiaries, they publish um, probably, like, if you, if you think of a sort of uh, board or card game, mm-hmm. um, there's a good chance that they've got their sort of fingers in that pie. So yeah. you might be talking like um, Catan, Ticket to Ride, Small World, Seven Wonders, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, a lot of the RPG stuff as well. Yeah. Um, uh, and also they own uh, Fantasy Flight Games. Yep. Um, so, you know, they, were, uh, they are a big, big, big company. Major player. Uh, yeah. They've just been bought Ooh. by PAI Partners. Wow, okay. Uh, for $1.4 billion. Um, So it's a financial investment and holding firm, just like the previous owner, which was uh, Eurasio. Eurasio. Uh, mm-hmm. That was also uh, a sort of finance firm. Right. Um, so they're not making any big changes to like the structure of the company itself. Mm-hmm. They're just hoping that people will continue to buy board games. Yeah, so presumably the new owners will just allow them to continue as they were, but, you know, who we'll knows, we'll wait, wait to see. Uh, also, Asmodi itself announced an acquisition this week of uh, ADC Blackfire Entertainment, Ooh. which is a European distributor of games and toys. Okay. Hopefully, there will not be major changes in the industry, but I, for one, welcome our new financial overlords. <laughs> do you like the occasional random table? I think you know I do. How would you like uh, 67 pages of random tables? Wow, 67 pages of random tables. <laughs> I can see like the excitement like... in your eyes. Because I, I like a good random table, but maybe not that much. <laughs> uh, so Anatomy of Adventure it yes. is a 67-page book. So, you know, it's quite a small book, but yeah. published by Ian Publishing, uh... Uh, which you will find charts that enable you to create yes. exotic worlds, NPC backstories, mm-hmm. big bad evil guys, cults, graveyards, guilds, heists, islands, Prisons, ships, taverns, towns, war camps, and wizards' towers. Oh, and you can roll a d12 and decide which one of those you want. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this is sort of suitable for any fantasy RPG, including D&D or Pathfinder, or any other fantasy RPG you might be playing. Yeah, even the system-neutral ones. Sounds mm. good. For example, taverns. We've got a sample page for the taverns here. Yeah. You would roll d20 twice. You would get your tavern name. So just pick two. Oh, the uh, grumbling turtle. No, two numbers. Two d20s. Oh, oh that's much harder. Uh, I don't know. 17 2. 17 and 2. So you would get the fish and dragon. Fish and dragon. Sounds like a lovely place. <laughs> it does. Uh, I'm thinking some sort of harbour and you've got like... A vaguely, maybe an inland sea and some things. So you've got like, you know, there's, you go out fishing, but you've got to watch out for the dragon. <laughs> Never let. Well, maybe it's just badly pronounced. And it's not the fish and dragon. It's the fishing dragon. The fishing and dragon. And this is his dragon just sitting there with like a I fishing rod. Just... <laughs> it's wearing a hat because that's, that's an essential part of fishing kits. Uh, right. So uh, also uh, just a last news item just to squeeze it in there. Over uh, Essen Spiel, which is a, a really, really big. Um, it's massive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The gaming. biggest board gaming convention in Europe, if not the world. I've got a lot of friends over there right now. Yeah. Uh, so there, apparently there's been a, a rash of thefts over there. What? Oh, that's horrendous. So it's going on right now. Not a rash of thefts. The, the convention is going on right yeah. now. I, I think I think some people are back from it. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know an awful lot about it, but mm-hmm. basically these were sort of targeting the cash boxes of vendors, and oh. a couple a couple of those that were affected were Hub Games and uh, Gotha Games. 
because um, both of those were oh, ported on their social yeah. media. Um, so yeah, so if you are a um, Essen Spielberg at the moment, well, I suppose it'll be over by the time you yes, hear this. But yeah. um, you know, there's, uh, there's some thieves wandering around there trying to steal the cash boxes of various vendors. Oh, that's so disappointing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's a little report here um, from Gotha Games. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's quite long, but uh, we are shocked to report that thieves targeted our booth mm-hmm. at the Spiel Essen yesterday, managing to get away with all the income generated oh. during the fair. Uh, the oh. incident happened after closing time when the booth was manned by two staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, taking advantage of a long, tiring day, one guy came to us for a small chat while another sneaked behind and stole a trolley containing money, idea, document, ID, documents, credit cards and other personal belongings. Um, we are even more shocked to learn that other publishers were targeted during the day. And then, you know, it goes on a bit longer, but, yeah. you know, that's terrible. Yeah, that's our, terrible. our sympathies go out to uh, Gotha and Hub Games and... Yeah, you know, we're uh, saddened that people uh, would steal your stuff. It's mm. just like you know, you expect at conventions it to be a nice, you know, safe space for gamers to be gamers, and you know, having this sort of thing go on is just absolutely shocking. Well, I think that's probably it for the news this week. Yeah, sounds good. That was a news-packed episode, wasn't it? I know. I was excited. <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. What should we do now? What should we do now? What would you like to do now? Uh, well. I'd like to do the same thing we do every week for us. What was that? It's Planet Echo the World. Would you like to play our favourite game in all the world? Oh boy, would I? Would you? Yeah, go on. Then. <laughs> <laughs> if I must, he says. <laughs> Is it compulsory? No, blessedly, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> our favourite game in all the world. I really wish we had a jingle for it. Uh, oh yes, yes. If someone's got an exciting and fantastic jingle, compose it, record it. Send it in. Uh, where do they send it into? Morris Podcast at gmail.com. Fantastic. And then we will then stop doing the game forever and ever. <laughs> you know, nobody's <laughs> going to do that. But if you do, <laughs> if you do, it'll be great. Are you ready? Yes, let's do it. You're the first. What is yes. the Seth Rigoran Empire? Bless you. What was the name of the Kickstarter again? The Seth Rigoran Empire. One Fifth edition, in fact. Seth Rigoran. Do you want me to spell it for you? Yes, please. Double S. Yes. E. Yes. Well, there's a lot of words that begin with double S. <laughs> yeah, that powers it right down. Uh, double S E T H R E G O R A N. I'll put my hand over that. You can see the word there. Look. Oh, weird. Okay. Uh, well, it sounds like someone's got a bad case of made up nameitis, which is where they think, oh. I don't know what the name is, so I'm just going to throw some random syllables because that's how languages work. That is not how languages work. Anyway, that's uh, how I talk. Uh, well, I didn't like to say that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah um, I don't know, polysyllabic soup, semantic mm. meaningless. That well, sounds lovely. It, it's 4th edition, so I'm going to say it's some sort of D&D thing. It's a setting, maybe even an adventure pack. Ba, 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 ba. Is it going to be a source book or a black book? Yeah, probably a source book for 5th edition D&D. No, I think it's just going to be about an empire. It might be really interesting, but I certainly couldn't tell you that from the name. Okay. So, you are right, it is a setting or a source book. Yeah. (laughs) One of those two things. But I think naming two different things is kind of cheating. (laughs) Oh, no, you'll just have to do points. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, don't you have a setting for this on your spreadsheet 
Um, of course I have. <laughs> you should try programming it as well <laughs> and put it in an access database. That would be much better. There's a special, there's a special uh, multiple multiple option coefficient that gets applied to your score. Yes, I know. And this is all these coefficients are negative, but... <laughs> <laughs> there are no positive coefficients. The Srethregoran Empire. Go on then. So you're right, it's a setting. Yes. D&D 5th edition, but you got mm-hmm. that because that was in the title. Yeah. Um, it's a reptilian empire. Uh, ruled by a race of serpent men and a history spanning back over 7,000 years. It's for the Arcanist setting from uh, Paradigm Concepts. It's been around for um, years, actually, okay. the Arcanist setting. Um, this is like the fifth edition versions of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it includes um, three new races, player options, new spells, feats and subclasses, and an entire sort of like culture, religious views, and life in this ancient nation. So for all you Arcanist fans out there, now is the time. Sephragon Empire hitting Kickstarter, getting their back it. And for everyone else, okay then. Okay, next yeah. one. Yes, let's do next it. One. Oh, I'm giving you a score for that. So after applying the coefficient. Yes. Uh, so you you originally got a C. Yes. A C plus. Yes. And then with the coefficient, yep. that C plus became 12%. Nice. Well, I, I'm giving the title a solid one out of five. <laughs> Uh, and that's because it's called to word. <laughs> no, I'll give, I'll give it two out of five because I should have got the snake thing. I would have got that from the double S, I think. That sounded reptilian to me. Yeah. But then again, I knew, so. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, I, I, think, is... I think we, I think, I think for anyone who's thinking of having Russ on their podcast, he loves this game and you should totally play it with him. He's amazing at it. I have played it <laughs> once before. Yeah. Were you amazing at it? Might, <laughs> might have been, might not. <laughs> <laughs> the only way you can find out is to listen to that podcast. Mm-hmm. Moving swiftly on. So, elsewhere. <laughs> what is elsewhere? Well, it's not here, I'll tell you that. <laughs> that is a sterling observation. Oh, that's looking at you laughing at your own joke. Yeah, so elsewhere. Um, I'm getting shades of Stranger Things from that, as in the concept of the upside down, as in the concept of you've got sort of a almost like a fairy slash magical realm, which is not here, but it's elsewhere. Uh, Passing through the elsewhere, like, which you might also have from Anna Caffrey's Dragon Rider books with shouts of like talking about passing through the between. So it's sort of like a interstitial place in that it's between the realms of like complete fantasy and reality. And it's that sort of melding of the two. That's where it's set. I think it might be an RPG setting, but I've got one word to go on. But I find it quite evocative, so I like it. Okay. Yes. Well, I'll give you a five out of ten for that. Woohoo. So what it is, it is a setting. Mm-hmm. It's for DD fifth edition. Okay. But it's a, a planar cyberpunk setting. Ooh. Okay. Uh, so it's a 444-page book, which is also going to be supported by a monthly podcast. So Cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. D D mm-hmm. on the planes. It says, uh, elsewhere is the center of the multiverse and the throne space of the most powerful beings the multiverse has ever known. Right, so we'll call it not ever on. Yeah, crack on. Elsewhere is a name for both the sector of space Mm -hmm. and the area in which it's located, Mm -hmm. an incredibly vast and condensed realm with extremely contrasting landscapes. So it's very big and very small. Uh, I guess. 11 ring worlds of unfathomable sizes. Constantly orbit the centre of everything, a vibrant colour-emitting singularity only known as the continuity. Rim worlds or ring worlds? Ring. Ring worlds. Wow, okay. So the idea of a ring world being that it's a 
orbital superstructure where the orbit is around a sun and it's basically the same sort of path as a planet, like sort of cut down Dyson sphere. Yeah. Nice. Okay. That leaves you with unimaginable spaces to play with. Hmm. But yeah. Um, okay, that sounds better. Crack on. And they've got several of these. Hmm. Well, no, there was one, there's one book. But, oh, there's, there's 11 so ring worlds. 11, so, yeah. 11 ring worlds. Uh, yeah. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's a whole bunch of sort of backstory text there, which I, I'm not going to read. Because mm-hmm. I hate reading backstory of anything in the world ever. It's fair. <laughs> Well, I, I have backstory from a random it is no doubt, It is no doubt dense with fantasy words and names and stuff. Yay! All of which I'd have to then pronounce. <laughs> I mean... Oh and I can't pronounce things even when I'm not hungover. <laughs> well, that's just one of your many endearing qualities, Russ. Yeah. But let's, let's, let's move on to the next, yes. shall we? You're not going to get this one. Well, you okay. might do, but I don't yep. think you will. But you might. Okay. But I think you won't. Okay. <laughs> but you could. Are you ready? <laughs> well, I stop giggling, yes. Please, please continue. What? what? Yeah. Shazando! Exclamation mark. Shazando! S-C-H-E-R-Z-A-N-D-O! Exclamation mark. And the exclamation mark is part of it. Shazando. Shazando! Hmm. That is an interesting name. It sounds a bit like Shahrazad from... The Arabian Nights, uh, who was the lady who was getting married to the Sultan, who had to proceed to come up with lots of stories within stories, big and mastered the inner start of the cliffhanger. Um, Shizando, there's sort of like an Italian slash Latin feel to that ending, which would indicate to me uh, sort of an activity. So... Without knowing anything about it and just having the one word to go on, which is not, as far as I'm aware, a regular English word, it sounds like a storytelling game with a strong focus on action and adventure. Hmm. How are you? It is a storytelling game. It's a GMless diceless story game. Okay. Um, The focus isn't on action and adventure, though. Mm -hmm. It's a musical Tabletop role-playing game. Ah, oh, yeah, I should have got that from the musical term here. Um, it's designed to be played in a single session, three to seven players. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't need to own any instruments or know anything about music. Yep. Kind of um, setting agnostic, so you can play it in any different sort of setting. Yeah, yeah. But in addition to playing characters, you will also be playing music. You can do this by humming or tapping on nearby objects or using whatever sounds you can find around you. Ah, uh, Russ has got a picture which appears to be of a Bob Shop quartet that are singing along quite happily while surrounded by pink floating hearts. Yeah. So. Or another one which is a whole bunch of people sitting in a diner or something. Okay. That is it for our favourite game in all the world. It's all over for another week. Come on, inventors, get out there, invent more stuff, give it good titles. Thank you for calling the Adventurous Support Line. This call may be recorded for quality assurance purposes. How can I help you? Uh, yes, I haven't levelled in a while and I need some help. Oh, what level monsters are you fighting? Well, that's the thing. I never get a chance to fight any monsters. Interesting. Is your bard constantly seducing them out of fighting? No, no, he stopped doing that ages ago. They just 
run away screaming the second we show up, and the quest rewards, they're just not enough to level. That's odd. Have you picked up any magic items recently? Any sort of eldritch artifacts or demonic armour? No, no, no. Nothing like that. Hmm. Added any new party members? Well, yeah, but why would that affect anything? Well, it's possible that if you've got a paladin, a blackguard or a necromancer with a strong enough magical aura, they're intimidating or frightening all your enemies away. Oh. Well, it's not any of those, though. Oh. Well, well, who did you add to your party? Uh, his name is Dr. Victor von Wolfhaven Smythe, and... Yep, yep, I see the problem here. If you're adventuring with Dr. Wolfhausen Smythe, you really need to up your game. Forget those goblins and gnolls. Head for something bigger. I recommend a Tarrasque or one of the great old ones. What? There's no way you could possibly stand up. That's okay, it's okay. Just stand back, let the good doctor handle it. So as long as you're part of his party, you'll get your share of the XP. Oh, that's a good idea. Thank you. No problem. And thank you for calling the Adventurer's Helpline. Don't forget to complete the survey after the call. Right, so we do our topic of the week. Topic of the week? Uh, are we going to do a spooktacular Halloween special? We are going to do a spooktacular Halloween special. Oh, because I've noticed on Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news site, mm-hmm. or Ian World, as I sometimes call it, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> that you've been doing a big poll. Yeah, so I thought because it's Halloween, yes. um, we should have a look at uh, horror games. And I thought maybe we could sort of talk about some of our favourite horror games. And it suddenly occurred to me, why don't I ask people to vote on their favourite horror games and we could count them down here on the podcast? We could count them down here on the podcast. What a good idea. So I posted the poll last week. Yes. Uh, We've had um, over a thousand votes. Nice. uh, Over a thousand voters uh, because people could vote for more than one thing. Obviously, mm. that comes to more than a thousand votes. So, yes. what I've done is I've taken everything that scored more than ten percent, yes, and put a council as eleven. Eleven games scored more than ten percent. Nice, which doesn't make sense. But when you realise that people can vote for multiple yeah. things, it does make sense. Absolutely, yeah. And then we've got some honourable mentions which scored between five and five yeah. and ten percent, yeah. and then we've got some a whole bunch of ones that didn't didn't make that great, which I'm sure are all absolutely fantastic, but. Are not quite as popular. Yeah. So let's let's talk let's talk let's talk our way down down this list, shall we? Yeah, shall we start at the bottom and then take yeah. number ten for number one for last? Well let's start with the honourable mentions. So very honorable oh, mentions. We don't have to go through all of these individually, but because yeah. there's several of them. So the, mm-hmm. the the ones that didn't quite get into the sort of top eleven yeah, yeah. were uh Dark Conspiracy, mm-hmm. Fear Itself, GURPS mm-hmm. Horror, In Nominee, mm-hmm. Weird Wars, yeah. Ghostbusters, yeah. Shadows of Esterin, and Shadow of the Demon Lord. Oh, okay. So all of those honourable mention, fair fair showing there, but didn't quite squeeze into the top. Okay. I think I think Weird Wars, that's probably the Savage Worlds one. Uh, possibly. Uh played in Nominee, uh which is sort of a your Angels and Demons as a Cold War thriller theme, but mm. Uh, with less Cold War, but it's Angels and Demons. Look, that makes sense, I'm um. <laughs> yeah. Well, the Ghostbusters is one of my favourites. Well, the, yeah, I was going to. sort of a yeah. horror comedy sort of thing. Not 1986 Western Games. Yeah, Shadow of the Demon Lord, Dark Fantasy from Robert Schwab. Yeah, yeah that's the, is that a system neutral one? 
No, no, no. Oh, that's his, that's his game set. system, Shadow of the Demon. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm uh, yeah, because what I've done here, these are all games. So yes. what I, when I posted the poll, I said no settings. So Ravenloft doesn't qualify because Ravenloft's uh, not a game. It's a, it's a setting for a game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so all of these are, you know, standalone independent games. Mm, which all do horror. Yeah. Nice. There's a lot of them, isn't there? So, well, there were a lot on the poll. So I'm glad we managed to narrow it down to 11 that we're going to talk about. Yeah, there was, there was something like, I think, when I was filming it in earlier, there was about 50 odd. Yeah, yeah, something like that. I, I don't know how many exactly. But anyway, yes. Tell me more. Okay, so going backwards. Okay. In order. Yes. So number, I'll just check that, is 11. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Yeah, so number 11. Number 11, yes. Number 11 is all flesh must be eaten. Oh, fantastic. That sounds like a zombie role-playing game. It is a zombie role-playing game. Not only is it a zombie role-playing game, it mm-hmm. is probably the, I think, earliest example of a zombie survival horror role-playing game, which was focused entirely on the zombies. Okay, so you don't play as a zombie, but you play as someone surviving a zombie apocalypse. Yes. Yeah. Strong. This is uh, Eden Studios. It uses their mm-hmm. uni-system uni mm-hmm. game system. Mm-hmm. Uh, it came out in 1999, this version okay. of it does. And uh, like I said, it's one of the first RPGs that focuses on zombies... As a the sort of main aspect of survival yeah. horror. Okay, yeah. Um, you know, other games have zombies, but these just like, really made them central. All, all zombies all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nin- 1999, have you played it? I have not played it. I have not played it either. I have not. Sounds like it's about zombies. If you enjoy playing with zombies, then check that out. Yeah. So, yeah, Unisystem is um, you have attributes and skills, yep. and you add an attribute and a skill, yep. and a D10. Yes. Uh, and then if you roll nine or higher, your action uh-huh. succeeds. Okay, yeah, similar to Slay Industry sort of jazz, yeah. Yeah, possibly. Um, yeah, so you've got attributes, which represent six abilities. Mm-hmm. Strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, yeah. perception, and willpower. Yeah. And you have a bunch of skills, qualities, and drawbacks. Fantastic. Yeah, so that is... Number 11. Number 11. Okay, coming uh, in at number 10. Number 10, one of my personal favourites. Oh. Number 10 is Dread. Oh, I love a bit of Dread. I do love Dread. Dread, of course, having a Jenga tower mm. as its main mechanic and i think that works so well to like make this sort of suspense element of horror yes it really amplifies that perfectly oh yeah i'm actually running a game for that uh, on wednesday oh good well good. tonight halloween yeah you're gonna nice. turn the lights down that always adds to the difficulty of playing trade with the jenga tower uh playing in the dark does actually make it more difficult i have done <laughs> this yes <laughs> yeah i mean I, I i think it's that that's inspired that it's absolutely perfect mm-hmm. um for especially if you do turn the lights down a bit and you want to do a sort of horror themed because you don't have to do horror with dread but it is very 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 good yeah at doing horror and it's like building up the tension and like adding the physical tension to yeah so for those who don't know basically the resolution mechanic is every time you perform an action which uh, the uh, outcome of which is in doubt you pull a block from the Jenga tower yeah and um, that continues throughout the game. Uh-huh. And obviously the tension ratches up more and more as the Jenga tower gets more and more wobbly and yep. precarious. And eventually when someone attempts something and pulls a block and the Jenga yep. tower tumbles, the character dies. Yeah, yeah. Or is doomed because sometimes yeah, people yeah. knock things over quite early and you want to keep them in the game. And you're like, well, you're doomed. So we'll find. Yeah. I'll wait for something amusing. That's one of those you. almost perfect combinations of atmosphere and mechanics, I think. Yes, it's so well. One off horror RPGs can't recommend it enough. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure you can make much of a campaign out of it, but definitely for <laughs> definitely for a Halloween one off game. Very strong. And it's very quick and easy to learn as well. Mm, mm. But can you play Jenga? Yes. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Uh, number nine. Yeah. Number nine is Deadlands. Oh, the Savage Worlds. Is that the original one? Or? Um, presumably. Uh, just yeah. Deadlands is the, the... Double check. I yeah. think we're talking the original Deadlands. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, the original Deadlands from 96 um, mm-hmm. from uh, Pinnacle Entertainment Group by uh, Shane Hensley. Mm-hmm. Uh, won a bunch of origin awards. Um, really interesting setting has has been through numerous iterations through different oh um, rule systems over the years there's been a D20 version there's been a GURPS one as you just mentioned the Savage Worlds one mm-hmm. this game uh, centres on cowboys and zombies absolutely yeah um, as, as, as I understand it it's essentially when people invaded America to like colonise and so forth Native American shamans unleashed a spirit of Wendigo which uh essentially turned it into a bit of a weird west yeah yeah so it's a weird west setting mm-hmm. so it's sort of real world history up until july the 3rd 1863 okay and then in this fictional universe a group of american indians mm-hmm. perform this ritual to drive out the european settlers mm-hmm. and this creates a, a conduit to a spiritual realm with a load of malicious entities mm-hmm. and um, from from then on these reckoners, these entities, mm. are trying to turn Earth into a sort of haunted wasteland. Right. Um, so, yeah, so zombies versus cowboys is essentially the sort of elevator pitch of that one. Well, indeed, that's that cowboys versus terrifying ghosts. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, so you could be what gunfighters, lawmen, hucksters, shamans, mad mm. scientists. That sounds interesting. Yeah. I've never had a chance to play it myself, but looks good. Yeah. Well, I've, I played the original years and years ago. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't played the Savage Worlds version or no. uh, the T20 version. Mm-hmm. It's all quite poker-themed, as I understand. Yeah, yeah, it. exactly. Yeah, card-based yeah, car mechanics and poker decks and stuff mm-hmm. and chips. So, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's one of those games, again, like we just said with Dread with Jenga, mm-hmm. the sort of the card-based mechanics and the poker chips and stuff really kind of add to the actual setting itself while you're yeah. playing it. Another one of those sort of synthesis of mechanic and setting yeah uh, next next on the list okay. coming at number nine okay so number nine on the list yeah is a horror role playing game based on sort of 20th century horror films oh okay uh, called Chill right uh, so this one um, came out originally in 1984 mm-hmm. with uh, other iterations in 90 and 2015 percentile right. based mm-hmm. um, uh, you're, you belong to an organisation called Save S-A-V-E. Uh-huh. And, and that, their job is to sort of track down and uh, eliminate the sort of vampires and uh-huh. werewolves, ghosts, ghouls and stuff like that. Things that go bump in the night. Things way. that go bump in the night, yes. Uh-huh. yeah. SAVE stands for yeah. uh, Societas Argenti Via Eternitata. <laughs> okay, that's not a backronym, honest. Or the Eternal Society of the Silver Way. Uh-huh. And it's a secret society dedicated to protecting innocents from the creatures of the unknown. And your nice. characters are called envoys. Good to know. Yeah. It sounds like it's got a quasi-religious theme, no? No, nah, werewolves, goblins, not really. It's For the characters. Um, but anyway, uh, it's all that Latin making me think that. But please, I'm, I'm clearly wrong. Let's crack on. <laughs> uh, yeah. Right then, next, Coming number eight. Yeah. Is a Swedish RPG called... Mm-hmm. Cult, K-U-L-T. Oh, okay. Uh, so it's a contemporary horror RPG. Mm-hmm. It's kind of known for being a sort of mature, you know, mature and sort of controversial content and stuff. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, 
Well, I'm expecting, when you say it's a Swedish RPG, I'm expecting a different sort of feel to it. Less less, less shenanigans. <laughs> shenanigans. Um, it's a good le- word. Le- less shenanigans and um, wacky hijinks. I always like that word. And more serious uh, dramaturgical roleplay. So it was originally published in 1991 mm-hmm. uh, in Sweden. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first English edition, 1993. Okay. Uh, so it's modern day. Um, you take the roles of sort of private investigators and vigilantes and pen and drug dealers and mm-hmm. secret agents and mad scientists and stuff. Yeah. And the sort of premise of this game is that um, the world is like this uh, illusion. Ooh. Um, just sort of held together by this sort of mass belief, which is unravelling. And um, there's this darker backdrop to reality where mm. these sort of monsters and things sort of lurk. And that's called the reality. Oh, okay. Sort of hidden behind the veil or the illusion. Oh, okay. One day supernatural role-playing, focusing more on um, war in the heavens than vampires and werewolves. Yeah, yeah. I never having played it. That's no, I've, no I've never played it either myself. No. Yeah, no, uh, it's got yeah. it's got a good reputation. Though. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that is cult. Okay, uh, we've got coming in at number seven. Knights Black Agents is number seven. Oh, I've Gum, heard this one. Gumshoe System yeah. uh, from Pelgrane Press. Uh, so basically, you pay a very competent sort of pseudo military investigative agents okay. who hunt vampires. Right. In a very competent way. Yes, yes. Um, methodical. Yeah, he uses uses the gumshoe system, which is an investigative system, which is kind of based on the premise that uh, Mm -hmm. uh, when there's clues to be found and stuff, Mm -hmm. there's no doubt over whether or not you're going to find them. The game is about interpreting them rather than finding the clues. Absolutely. So it's kind of, you know, it pushes straight forward through that, plows forward through that sort of... I think it's where a lot of fail forward side is. Yeah, from. yeah, exactly like that. Yeah. Uh, so, Night Black's Agents, uh, Ken Height, I believe, wrote that one. And mm. um, yeah, it's kind of maturish, dark themed. Um, mm. I suppose, you know, if you want to start hunting vampires with ultraviolet weapons and yep. military hardware, uh, the old silver tip bullets. Uh, Hollow yeah. tips packed with silver yeah, and water. Yeah, I've got that as well. I've never actually had opportunity to play it, but I've got it upstairs. And it's, uh, mm. yeah, it's a great read. Oh, okay. I shall have to have a look. Yeah. yeah. Number six on the list. Mm-hmm. A 1998 role-playing game of power and consequences, an occult-themed game called Unknown Armies. Oh, that that's one of those games which everyone talks about how they played that one game that one time and it was amazing. <laughs> and no, I've never seen anyone run it. Uh... I've never been in a game of it. So I, I'm forced to take work, people's words for it that it's okay. like amazing. Okay. Is this the one of Esoterrorist or is that a different one? No, no, no that's, a, that's a different thing. This is a game which is set in the modern day mm-hmm. and there's this sort of occult underground and okay. there's all these sort of like um, shadowy practitioners of magic and cabals and things like that. Yep. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with any of these sort of novels, but Tim Powers, James Elroy, David Lynch you'll have heard of, obviously. Oh, the yeah. Illuminatus trilogy. Yeah, Tim Powers. I can't remember the name of it, but it was sort of... Um... He's sort of the John the Carry to uh, Charles Stross's Lynn Dayton, right. that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, so it's a percentile dice system, oh. and you you play uh, either a mundane, an avatar, or an adept. Okay. Uh, the latter two are sort of have these sort of mystical abilities, mm-hmm. and are kind of a bit more linked in with that occult underground thing. Yeah. Uh, an avatar, you channel this archetype, okay. which is a sort of uh, cultural role. Yeah. Uh, so you might be like a hunter or a demagogue. 
Oh, that's very, very young, young Ian, uh, channeling sub- collective subconscious. Yeah. Adepts, on the other hand, they have spells uh, mm-hmm. which are connected to obsessions, mm. and they, they power themselves with activities related to their obsession. Okay. And mundanes, guessing here is just sort of normal people. Yeah. Um, but you spend your points on sort of skills and aspects and stuff instead. Yes. Less medical, but probably better at some things involved in the real world. Yeah. <laughs> and number four yep. is. Trail of Cthulhu. So this, Pelgrane Press. Press? Press. Pelgrane Press, again. Oh, well, yeah. Because they did that Black Sage. And more Cthulhu. Yeah, so it's more Cthulhu and it's the gumshoe system again. Oh, okay. So this is kind of like a gumshoe version of Call of Cthulhu. So it's based on Lovecraft, set during the 1930s. Ah. And it's got the Cthulhu mythos going on in the background. With you. So again, it's like got that fell forward. It's about interpreting the clues. Yeah, so you, you control an investigator and you sort of mm-hmm. slowly uncover the dark background behind the, behind the setting. Mm. So again, designed by Ken Height and presumably what, Robin Laws? Yeah, yeah, Ken Height, Robin Laws, uh, Jerome Hugh. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce oh, his uh, name, unfortunately. H- Jerome Hugrenin? Hugrenin and yeah. Simon Rogers. Fantastic. Um, that came out in 2008, mm. investigative horror game. Set, but this one's set in the 1930s, and you're like more of your San Cthulhu investigator. Right? Yeah, I mean, this is basically under license from Chaosium. Oh. Um, so it's very, very sort of linked into the original Call of Cthulhu. Nice, nice. Okay, so that was... Taking us up to number three, I think. That was number four. So next we have number three. We're getting mm-hmm. some of the really big names now because ooh, this ooh. one would be, and this has all got combined into one thing, uh-huh. the entire world of darkness. Ah, uh, there we go. Yeah. Well, there's like... So whether, I, I don't even know. whether a vampire, a mage, werewolf. a werewolf, or one of many, many, many iterations. Um, Promethean. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, well, well, yeah, World of Darkness is one of the quintessential horror games. Been around yeah. for years. Um, most everybody's, yeah, most everybody's yeah. probably played it. Yeah. Well, well, if you haven't, then you should definitely look into I mean, it. Uh, yeah, it was especially very big back in the 90s. Oh, yeah, huge. I mean, it's, still, it's still big today, but back then it was enormous. Big big, big, uh, big alternative to D&D. Yeah, yeah, it was a White Wolf game, which I think, c- certainly in my circles back in the 90s, yeah. it definitely, sort of D&D was kind of falling out of favour. Yeah. World of Darkness was a, bit more, mm-hmm. was a bit more popular at the time. Yeah, new kid on the block, fresh, edgy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's been known for being edgy. Uh, sometimes it goes too far. Um, mm. Sometimes it gets embroiled in a little bit of controversy over the sort of attempt at edginess that it, mm. that it goes for. But, yes. you know, it's, 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 a, it's one of those sort of legacy games that's been around for yeah. ages now. And, yeah, no, yeah, It deserves its spot in this chart, definitely. Uh, absolutely, because they, they, you had White Wolf and it split off. You got Onyx Path. Yeah, I haven't played a World of Darkness game since the 90s. Is it? Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm in a Mage the Awakening game. At oh, moment. right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's going on Thursday nights. Enjoying it? Uh, yeah. yeah, it's been pretty good, actually. Yeah. Uh, one of the local gyms and the clubs running it on a sort of off night. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, go on then. I'll play that. Because I've, I've done more vampire LARPing, yeah. to be honest, than actual vampire. And I played... The only vampire game I played was with the new World of Darkness setting, Hmm. And I just didn't find that as satisfying or interesting as the old vampire setting. But the rules were much better, so yeah. yeah. Potato, potato. Okay. Yeah. We're up to the so, top two now. What's coming at number two? Top two. Bum, bum, bum. It's getting tense, isn't it? Super tense. Yeah, it's getting super tense. <gasps> number two yeah. is 
Delta Green. Wow. So Delta Green originally was a setting for Call of Cthulhu. Yep. Uh, it is now also a standalone RPG, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, kickstarted back in sort of 2015, 2016. Yep. And has released, I think, what, last year, I think? I can't remember well, exactly well, when well, it was they, released. they've won an NE for Best Rule set, so that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Delta Green cont- is a sort of contemporary thing. Starts mm-hmm. sort of late in the 90s and up to sort of Monday times. Mm-hmm. And uh, you play sort of Delta Green agents who work undercover just yep. fighting the sort of... Um, yeah, it's gone through a couple of iterations in its internal storyline. I think it was a disavowed government agency. Yeah, they point. kind of went rogue sort of thing. And then they've been folded back into the US government at some yeah. point. Yeah, I mean, there was a, a sequel called The Fall of Delta Green, which delves back into the sort of history back in the 1960s mm-hmm. when, when that actually happened. Right, right, But right. the contemporary setting is sort of long after that and, you know, the, the organisation is kind of secretive and... Flies around in black helicopters. Yeah. Yes, yes, and no doubt wears black all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially in suits. Yeah. yeah. Um, so basically you've got sort of like uh, organised investigations into paranormal crime and horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you played this? I have never played this. No. I've never played this either. Played this. I've actually run and played a couple of games of uh, The Laundry, which would I would describe as Charles Stross's take yeah. on it. But I know for a fact he never played Delta Green or read anything by Tim Powers yeah. before he started writing that. But yeah, it's good stuff. Well, Delta Green got six Ennies in 2018 this Ooh. year. Yeah. Uh, in February this year. Uh, of course, we've mentioned this before in the podcast. Mm. Uh, Pelgrane Press released The Fall of Delta Green, Ooh. which is the, the Vietnam era game, mm. which tells you about how, how that organisation lost favour. Absolutely. Uh, and that sounds like a different time and there's a lot of opportunity for interesting role-playing. Yeah. So, Russ, don't keep us waiting. What could possibly be the number one horror RPG? Well, let's see. We've had some Cthulhu, and we've had some Cthulhu. And we've oh. had some Cthulhu, yes. So, so could it be? Could it be that the number one horror game has voted for by fans of Morris's unofficial tabletop role-playing game news... Could it be Call of Cthulhu? With 72.95% of people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or voting for it. Admittedly, you could choose more than one thing. That doesn't mean it yeah, yeah. got 72% it, of the entire vote. But 72% of people chose it as it, one of their options. It's the best known game that people recommend. But this way, Delta Queen got 42. Woo. It was the next highest. Uh, Call of Cthulhu, 72% of people uh, chose it as one of their top RPG games. So Call of Cthulhu is... By a wide, wide margin, the yep. most popular horror RPG, and that is, nice. quite frankly, no surprise. Absolutely. I'd have been amazed if anything else had happened. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I have played Call of Cthulhu. Um, I also voted for Call of Cthulhu, and yeah, I've, I've enjoyed my games in it. Yeah, I mean, I've not played it since our last campaign, which uh, ended, I think it was about a year, a year ago now. I can't remember when it ended now, but we played about a year and a half. Uh, playing the mask of the Arthalathalathalathalathalathalathalathalop. That's the one, yeah. However you pronounce it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, uh, I, I, so what, what you're saying is you played it much more recently than you've played your last World of Darkness game. Very much more recently, yes. Indeed. By an order of 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. We, you know, we were um, playing uh, over at Angus's house for uh, sort of 18-month campaign. Didn't get to the end of it, unfortunately, oh, because okay. scheduling issues, because it was so hard to get everyone together on Tuesday nights. Ah, so time, so time. Yeah, um, but we did play for 18 months or so, and I went through three or four characters, I think. Yeah, that's... 
unfortunately that tends to happen one of them was a, <laughs> one of them was a silver screen actor he used to go around saying don't you know who I am to everybody then we used to make a sort of credit off check him. to find out whether people recognised me and almost invariably the answer was no <laughs> no I don't know who you are <laughs> and the other one was a mad scientist which I made sort of a sort of 1920s Doc Brown nice nice which I thought was kind of fun um, so what happened to them? They died. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. One, one of them died and one went mad. And I can't remember which is which. Yeah, the actor died, fell off the side of a, a fuel tank when we were trying to blow something up to try and take out some monstrosity because <laughs> we thought that was the only way we could feed them. And uh, he, he essentially died doing that. Yeah. Whereas the mad scientist went insane and went over to the bad guys and then joined in this sacrificial cult and I think killed one of the other players. I can't remember now. Yeah. Um, died Insane Survived. It's a great game to play with Call of Cthulhu characters. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, indeed. Yeah. No, I do like Call of Cthulhu. Totally deserves its place at the top of that chart. Absolutely. Without doubt, the classic horror tabletop RPG. It's good times, man. Good times. Mm. Yeah. What would you say is your favourite one, then? So we know what, what the community's voted. What would you say is your personal favourite? Oh, well, I mean, the thing is, things like the Laundry RPG based off the books, I think mm. I'd probably go with that because I, I do that for a campaign setting. Yeah. For proper horror, uh, yeah, I'd have to say Dread just from my personal experience. I think I'm with you there. I think yeah. it'd be a cross between Dread and Ghostbusters for me. Mm-mm. Obviously, Ghostbusters is more comedy horror. Well, we'll, we'll just have to like do a thing sometime. You can run Ghostbusters for me and I'll run Savage Worlds for you. How about that? Yeah, sure. Sounds good. Okay, then. Well, that was Horror Games. It was. Um, Have a fantastic Halloween and uh, hope to speak to you all next week. Okay. Uh, Um, What have we got coming up uh, next week? Oh, we've got a a special episode next week. We've got two special episodes coming up. What? Get out. Actually, we've got four special episodes coming up. What? You mean we know what we're doing for like a month in advance? That's a bit weird, isn't it? So who, who, who have we got next week, Peter? Well... Uh, I've invited the talented Grant Harrett and Christopher Taylor on. Excellent. They're creators of Honey Heist, uh, Adventure Skeletons. Oh, and a little game that's uh, making a bit of a splash at the moment called Despire. Yeah. The one where you have dark elf terrorists trying to, um, or freedom fighters, I should call them, trying to seize back control of their home spire from the invading high elves. Yeah, so they'll be joining us for the full episode next week. Looking forward to it. The week after, we have Rodney Thompson, who you may know from Lords of Waterdeep. Ah, D&D 5th edition what? Dusk City Outlaws No way And his current Kickstarter uh, uh, Spectaculars Fantastic Which is a superhero uh, RPG Wow uh, So he'll be on the week after And then the following two weeks We'll be delving into the two upcoming uh, Wizard of the Coast D&D releases uh-huh. So we'll be looking at uh, Dungeon Guild of the Mad Mage one week Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica Guildmaster's Guide to the following Loving it Yes yeah, so yes. We're all booked up for the next month That's amazing what? That's crazy. That's the first it's time we've ever true. known what we're doing, even next week, let alone a month in advance. I, I, it, it's it's almost like... like you had this bright idea to suddenly put up a spreadsheet. <laughs> Better playing through spreadsheets. <laughs> Who knew that the key to successful podcasting was a spreadsheet? <laughs> 
uh, and me laughing at my own jokes for several that minutes too. at a time. That yeah. also. Um, so I think that's probably it for yes. this week. So wow. um, thank you all so much for listening. Please do support us via Patreon if you can. Yeah. So patreon.com forward slash Morris because it helps keep this podcast going. Absolutely. It's not cheap. You have to pay Daryl every week. Yeah. And um, we do enjoy doing it, but it does it does cost us money. So if you yeah. could if you could just throw a dollar in, we'd yeah. be super grateful. And you do also, as well as that wonderful feeling of having done what can only be described as the right thing, yeah. uh, you also um, get access to our special bonus content. What? Which is uh, additional scenes, alternate takes on our sketches, uh, all sorts of extra content. We, we don't describe it as bloopers because that would be accurate. But there are some bloopers in there also, yes. just for your amusement. And also those five times when we go off on an incredible tangent and we make ourselves laugh. So if you fancy buying us the equivalent of a pint, then get onto the Patreon and please do Yeah. So yeah, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I think that is it for this week. So it's goodbye from me. Yeah, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from him. Absolutely. Goodbye. Goodbye. quite simply the worst podcast I have ever had the misfortune to listen to. Somebody will need to be punished, but I can't decide whether to use the thumbscrews on them, on their disgusting hands, or if I should simply throw one of them in the moat.'